0: S.E.P. Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28. Chapter 33 Words with Friends. Harry came stumbling through the flue in Bill's office, a stack of parchment clutched in his hands. Draco, as usual, was already there, sprawled comfortably in a chair, twirling his wand between his fingers absently. Hey, Malfoy, Harry huffed out as he strode across the room and plunked the papers down on the desk. What's all this? Draco stood and peered over the pile that had started to tip to one side, causing the top few pieces to slide off. Seeker reflexes kicked in, both wizards reached out to catch them before they fluttered to the floor, each catching one in their outstretched hands. "'Looks like a tie,' Harry chortled. Draco snorted, and returned the piece he had rescued to the desktop, and turning an inquiring gaze on his companion. "'So,' Harry began, inhaling a deep breath. "'Several things going on here at once, so bear with me.' He began sifting through the stack, making several smaller piles in a filing system only he understood. The tall blonde simply stood to the side, watching and waiting for the explanation he knew would eventually come. All right, the raven-haired wizard pushed his glasses up on the bridge of his nose and turned to peer at his counterpart. Where do you want to start? Alcott? The portraits? Or your weekly update? Draco scoffed. There's nothing to update, so let's get that out of the way. I've had no correspondence from any former dark supporters, nor has anyone tried to harass me or bother me. Good? Harry nodded, smirking. "'Moving on, then.' He tilted his head towards the array of pages covering Bill's usually neat desk. "'Let's start with Alcott.' "'Okay,' Harry gestured to several pieces of information before them. "'As you know, I met with him last week and gave him more details about Hermione's parents. I passed along your questions, too, and he asked for a day or two to look into some things before getting back to me, which he now has. He picked up one of the pages and handed it to Draco. "'This is his proposed plan of action.' "'He's come up with a timeline and a treatment course for Edward and Jeannette.' He paused, giving his friend time to read over the lengthy description before him. Draco was amazed. Alcott had not only described the methods he thought would be most productive, but also mapped out a regimen in which he would treat the Grangers himself over the next several months. It was more than Draco had ever considered they'd receive, especially in such short order. A spark of hope flared to life in him as he looked back at Harry. "'He thinks it will work, then. He thinks he can reverse it?' Harry nodded, grinning. As you can see, it won't be a one time meeting, but a lengthy process. He'll need to see them regularly, over a period of roughly three months. If you think this is all a good idea, and something we should move forward with, then he'll need to discuss all the logistics." He now waved to another pile of papers that seemed to be ministry related, with official seals and signatures. Unable to fully contain his excitement, Draco started pacing the office. "Is there any way this could backfire?" "any way this treatment could harm them?" or cause further damage?" His gaze flickered back and forth between Harry and the floor as he wore a path in front of the fireplace. No, from what Alcott explained, the worst-case scenario was that they simply don't do anything at all. That nothing changes. The only other negative possibility is that they might start to remember a few things and then come to a full stop, in which case he would simply remove those recollections and discontinue his attempts. That's why he needs such a long time. He says he will do things in very small segments so as not to overwhelm their memory functions. He also needs to make sure that each session sticks with them for a few days before moving on. Harry was also rather jittery with nerves and kept carting his fingers through his already messy hair. Draco continued to prowl back and forth, one hand shoved in his pocket, the other rubbing the back of his neck. How will he instigate a relationship with them? He can't just show up on the doorstep and announce he's moving in, yeah? Harry chuckled. That's what all this is, he pointed to the legal-looking pile. I've filled Kingsley in on all of this, and he's fully supportive. He's signed any and every form we might possibly need to make this happen, and has basically given me free rein to do what I need to, in order to get the ball rolling." Draco shot him an exasperated look with an eye roll, thrown in for good measure. Harry shrugged unapologetically. Hey, sometimes it pays to be the chosen one. I can pull strings and help my friends. He smirked meaningfully at the pale blonde who nodded and acquiesced, focusing back on the topic at hand. If we tell Alcott it to go, Harry went on, I will travel to Redland with him sometime before the end of the month, and get him settled in on a flat somewhere near the Granger's home. I was surprised he agreed to move, since he seems a bit of a hermit, but he was rather looking forward to it. He chuckled and shook his head. We'll need to work out the exact details, but the plan would basically be to create an opportunity for them to meet, during which Alcott would use a very mild form of confundus to get them to agree to spend more time with him. He's an extremely accomplished legilimens, and will use that skill to plant certain ideas in their minds that will lay the foundation for an ongoing friendship. Once that's all been established, every time he sees them, he will work on reversing the spell, planting specific images, and if necessary, slipping them some veritaserum so the images are regarded as fact, and not mistaken for dreams or other inconsequential thoughts. Does he have any memories of Hermione to give them? I've offered as many of my own as he needs. He has a pensive, and I already took him in to see several recollections from when we were in first and second year. I actually had a few that included her parents, which will be really helpful. Draco pondered all that for a few moments, and finally came to a halt in front of Bill's desk, piercing Harry with a penetrating gaze. He has to try. We have to let him try. His voice came out hoarse, but he filled with emotion, and Harry knew as he met the steel gray eyes across the way that his former rival was as determined and as invested in all of this as he was. He nodded solemnly. "'I agree.' Draco blew out a long, heavy breath. "'When can all this be arranged?' "'I already have all of the forms signed, so really I just need to let Alcott know that we're on board. I can send an owl as soon as I get back to the office, and we'll go from there. Like I said, we should be able to leave for Redland in a week or so. I already have a portkey granted to me.' He rustled through some of the papers until he found the portkey form. I just have to fill out the date. "'All right, then. Let's give it a go.' Harry grinned and nodded again. "'Brilliant!' He arranged all of the papers concerning Alcott and Hermione's parents in one slightly neater pile, and then turned his attention to the other stack that had so far remained untouched. "'Now, about the portraits.' He walked around the desk and sank into one of the wing-backed chairs as Draco slid into the other. "'The one for Mr. and Madam Mulkin was presented last week, and Lavender's was delivered two days ago. Your mother accompanied me for that, and it went very well.' Her parents were incredibly gracious and welcoming, which I know Narcissa was touched by. Draco nodded, knowing it was equally as important to his mother to rebuild their family's image in the wizarding world as it was to him, and he was grateful the Browns had been so receptive towards her. That brings the commissions up to forty-five so far. The only other person who died in the actual battle whose portrait we haven't talked about yet is Snape. Harry paused here, knowing this particular project was slightly different than all of the others, "'wondering what the former Slytherin's thoughts would be about it. "'Why did his portrait not appear in the head's office after he died? "'Dumbledore's did.' "'Draco wondered aloud. "'I asked McGonagall that same question a while ago. "'From what she surmised, the magic of the castle refused to acknowledge him "'as an actual headmaster, due to the nature of his position "'and his role in Voldemort's ranks. "'He was seen as a traitor, which we all know now was not the case, "'but the window of time for a head's portraits to appear is limited.' "'Both young men fell silent as they considered this.' After a bit, Harry spoke again. "You know, I honestly don't think he'd even want his portrait in that office." "You're probably right," Draco mused. "Do you think we could put one in the potions classroom, or outside the Slytherin dorm, somewhere in his domain?" His lips quirked in a wry smile. "Honestly, sometimes I still expect to see him skulking around a dark corner, waiting to throw someone in detention." Harry chuckled, "or striding down the hall with his cloak flapping around him like a bat." They both huffed quiet laughs as they remembered their former professor. Yeah, I think the potions dungeon would be a perfect spot for his portrait. We could plan to unveil it at the memorial service. Draco froze, his face losing what little color it typically had. Memorial service? Yeah, on the one-year anniversary. Kingsley said it's been in the works since the new year started. Harry's brow furrowed as he took in the pallid complexion of his friend. What's wrong? Nothing. I just didn't realize... Draco trailed off, not sure how to explain the dread he felt at the idea of hundreds, maybe thousands, of witches and wizards converging on the castle grounds, to commemorate the events that had taken place last spring. Once again he was reminded of how very far on the wrong side of it all he had been. "'It'll be fine, Malfoy,' Harry stated firmly. "'It's not a whole-day event or anything, just a short program where the names of the Fallen will be read, followed by a few words from Kingsley, and a light reception afterwards. We can have Snape's portrait available for viewing in the entrance hall before it's permanently hung in the dungeons." Draco nodded stiffly, still not comfortable with the thought of being surrounded by so many who probably, rightfully, blamed him and his family for their losses. But he knew it was months away, and he wasn't about to start dwelling on worst possible scenarios right now. He shifted in his seat and met Harry's concerned gaze with a determined nod. "'Since we've basically completed the portraits for the battle victims, I'd like to start a new list.' Harry's brows rose in question. I want to have them done for anyone who died at the hands of Voldemort, or his Death Eaters, after he came back to power, starting with Cedric Diggory. Now it was Harry's turn to feel the blood drain from his face. Even now, four years later, the memory of Cedric's lifeless eyes stared up at him from the ground in the graveyard sent a tremor of fear down his spine and caused his gut to roil. All he could do was nod and swallow thickly in agreement. He knew how much the Diggory's would appreciate this. "'I'll need your help again,' Draco continued, watching Harry carefully. He knew the Hufflepuff's death had been traumatic for him, and guessed that entire event still replayed itself every once in a while in Harry's dreams, much like several particularly nasty memories visited his own from time to time. "'I only know of a handful of people who were targeted specifically for their allegiance to Dumbledore, or the Order, though I'm sure there were many more.' Harry nodded, pulling himself from the dark thoughts swirling in his mind— There were definitely more than the number of battle victims. It's going to be quite an extensive list. He wondered if the Malfoy Vault still contained enough gold to cover all of these portraits, but didn't want to offend Draco by asking. Thankfully, his question was answered without his interference. That's fine. Draco waved a hand dismissively. I had already talked to Mother over the holidays about liquidating some of our assets to make more funds available for this endeavor. She was happy to do so, although our solicitor was reluctant to sign off on it, he scoffed, Seemed to question her authority, since he had only ever previously dealt with my father. But she'd been expecting some pushback and summoned copies of the documents that were signed long before Lucius ever went to Azkaban. The only precaution my father took in all of this mess was to make sure that if anything happened to him, the estate would transfer to my mother until I was able to take the helm after I marry. If something were to remove her from that capacity, I would be jointly responsible for the estate, along with the solicitor, until I'm wed. Harry frowned in confusion. Why does it matter if you're married or not? Why doesn't it just come to you once you're of age, which you already are? Because my father wanted to make sure I would be at a place in my life where I would take my responsibilities seriously." Draco rolled his eyes and let out a mirthless laugh. Didn't want to hand over his legacy to his young, careless, frivolous son. Guess he figured if I was mature enough to take a wife, I would be able to handle running the estate as well. He snorted. As if that's any indication of capability. "'I've got plenty of relatives who've been married for decades "'and have done a stellar job of squandering their fortunes "'and ruining their families.' "'Interesting,' Harry murmured. "'So that's not a pureblood thing, just a Lucius thing?' "'Yep,' Draco waved his hand again, "'as if to dismiss the entire notion. "'Suffice to say, we have more than enough "'to commission all of the portraits, "'and keep the estate running, "'and pay the salaries of all the Ministry employees "'for several years if the need should ever arise, "'so don't worry your pointy little head, Potter.' He grinned as he said it, though, so Harry took no offense, and was relieved to know the aristocratic family he had grown rather fond of would be no worse for wear after all their philanthropic efforts were complete. Harry reached for the last stack of parchment and handed it over to Draco. "'These are just the letters we've received from the families who have been given portraits. I've already shared them with Narcissa and wanted you to have a chance to read them, too. I don't need them back so you can keep them, or return them to her, or whatever you want. They're all very appreciative and supportive of your family.' Draco's eyes shot up to Harry at that unexpected moment. You'll see when you read them. He stood up to leave, gathering the other pages he still needed to sort through as he made plans for Alcott in the weeks to come. I'll let you know what happens with it all, and when we'll be heading to Australia. I might have to... mislead. He chose his words carefully, not liking the idea of lying to one of his best friends. Hermione, a little. If by some chance she expects to see me and I'm gone to meet Alcott or something, I might need your help if it comes to that. Whatever I can do." Gray eyes met Green in solidarity, both young men nodding as they shook hands in front of the fireplace. Harry disappeared in a whirl of green flames, and Draco was left standing with a stack of apparent thank-you notes in his hands and an unexpected swell of hope in his heart. It was Friday morning, and that meant breakfast with Ginny in the Great Hall. As Hermione scanned the room for her fiery-haired friend, she breathed a deep, contented sigh. She truly loved sharing meals with her fellow eighth-years in the room, but there was still something to be said for the enchanted ceiling, marble scroll work, and impressive architecture that met her eyes as she stood inside the double doors. This was truly the first space she had been introduced to in the castle, and it would forever be one of her favorites. She spotted all three of her first years sharing a table with one of Daphne's and both of Neville's, smiles on everyone's faces as they chatted animatedly over their plates. It warmed her heart to see evidence of the inner-house friendship so clearly displayed, and was simply another reminder that everything they had endured really had served a purpose. "'Hey, sorry I'm late,' Jinny huffed as she came barreling through the doors. "'Wanted to get a letter out to Harry before my first lesson.' "'No worries,' the older witch smiled and roped her arm through her friends, steering them in the direction of an empty table nearby. "'I only just arrived myself.' The girl sat down and immediately the center of the table was filled with a variety of breakfast offerings—poached eggs, smoked kippers, thick slices of toast, baked beans, and glazed fruit. They each filled their plates and launched right into a discussion about the upcoming trip to Hogsmeade the next day, and Ginny was supposed to patrol as part of her prefect duties. Don't forget to check the back room at the Hogshead, and the alleys near Zonko's, and Schrivenschaff's. Hermione suggested as she speared a few beans with her fork. Those have always been popular spots for the new third-year couples. Good idea, nodded Jinny. What about popular spots for eighth-year couples? A teasing smirk spread across her pretty face as she gleefully watched a pink tinge color her companions. Hermione's eyes widened, and she tried to look as if she had no idea what was being suggested. I have no idea where Hannah and Neville go when they're in town, she sniffed in a superior fashion, and began cutting up her egg with far more vigor than was necessary for a soft fare. Ginny burst into laughter. Oh, yes, that's exactly what I was wondering about. Hannah and Neville, of course. The brunette witch couldn't stop the smirk that tugged at her lips as a result of her friend's mirth. She kept her gaze on her plate while she pushed bits of food around with her fork, and decided to admit something to her best girlfriend. Draco and I aren't big on open displays of affection, really, you know? But lately... She trailed off, unsure of how to explain the shift she had noticed. Lately jenny prompted i don't know he just seems more attached to me it was voiced as a question because she honestly wasn't sure what was going on with her favorite wizard all she knew was that over the past few days there was definitely an increase in their physical contact just the day before halfway through their arithmetic class he'd linked his pinky with hers on top of their shared table and had sat like that for the rest of the lesson which wasn't a big deal but it was totally uncharacteristic of him She described the scene to Ginny, who listened with a thoughtful expression on her face. "'And that's just one example,' Hermione continued. "'He about scared me witless in the library on Tuesday when he came up behind me and wrapped his arms around my waist. I hadn't heard him at all and almost screamed and dropped the books I was holding. Madam Pince would have had my head!' The youngest Weasley chortled at the recounting, knowing her friend would have been more distressed about dropping a moldering text than anything else. She considered her curly-haired table-mate for a moment before deciding to ask a few questions. "'Has he told you how he feels about you?' "'Well, I mean, he tells me how much he likes me at least once a day.' A shy smile spread across her face, her cheeks heating up more. "'And he's always thanking me for listening to him, or helping him, or whatever.' She shrugged and swirled a bit of toast around in the egg yolk on her plate. "'I know he cares about me a lot.' "'Has he told you he loves you?' Ginny probed a little further and was unsurprised to see Hermione's eyebrows shoot up as she startled Look crossed her face. No, he ha- he hasn't. I And I haven't. It's just too soon for that, she spluttered frantically, flapping her hands as if trying to wave away the thought. But the younger witch narrowed her eyes and studied her friend for a moment. What do you mean it's too soon? We've only been together since New Year's Eve, really. And before that, we'd only been friends since the start of term. And that's just not long enough to—to— to- she gave up. She let her fork clunk down on the plate and let her head fall into her hands, her elbows rested on the table. You love him, don't you? Jenny asked quietly, knowing full well that her typically level-headed and very pragmatic friend was struggling to handle emotions and feelings that were probably overwhelming her sensibilities. Maybe? A tiny voice squeaked from behind her hands. You know that's okay, right? Both pairs of brown eyes met, one sparkling with kindness and understanding, and the other wide and searching. "'You don't think I'm mental? You don't think I'm rushing things?' Ginny shook her head vehemently. "'You can't control how you feel about someone, or how fast you fall into those things. It doesn't mean you need to start planning your wedding tomorrow, but it's okay to admit that you love him and that you're serious about him.' At the mention of her wedding, Hermione choked slightly and took a big gulp of pumpkin juice to clear her airway. "'No, definitely not planning a wedding any time in the near or even mildly distant future.' She paused and considered the redhead across from her. "'When did you know it was Harry?' Ginny grinned and huffed a small smile. "'Seeing as I've had a thing for him since I was ten, you mean?' Both girls giggled at that, remembering how tongue-tied and awkward she used to be around the raven-haired wizard. At first it was just a crush, but by the time he hit fifth year, I knew I was never going to be rid of my feelings for him.' Even when I went with Dean, or Michael, or any of the other blokes, it was always him." She propped her chin up on her hand and stared unseeingly across the hall. "'Our time together during sixth year solidified that for me, even though he ended things after Dumbledore died. I knew why he needed to do that, and I also knew he'd come back.' She shrugged and smiled, her attention now focused back on her friend. "'He did, and now we're together again, and I don't plan for that to ever change.' Hermione nodded and smiled, understanding more than she'd expected to and also knowing just how head-over-heels Harry was for the sweet witch she thought of as a sister. "'Does he know?' Jinny pinned her with a serious look suddenly. "'Know what?' "'That you love him.' "'I don't think so. I haven't told him. I don't want to say it if he's not there yet, if that makes sense.' "'Oh, I think he's more than there,' Jinny replied confidently. "'I think he's been there for quite some time.' Once again Hermione's eyes bugged. "'What makes you say that?' Merlin and Morgana, Hermione! The way he looks at you could set this place on fire. He can't seem to keep his eyes off you, or stay more than a few inches from your side, and that's just the glimpses I get in the corridors or on the grounds." Her cheeks flamed, but she couldn't hide the smile twitching at her lips. Really? Would I lie to you? She shook her head and breathed a deep sigh. I guess we'll see what happens, then. I'm still not entirely ready to just blurt it out to him, but if the moment should arise... She trailed off shrugged and smiled sheepishly. "'Thanks, Jen. "'Well, good,' Jinny tossed her napkin on the table. "'Glad to be of service.' She smirked and winked as they both stood and made their way towards the doors. "'You have to promise to share all of the glorious details once you finally declare your love for one another.' She feigned a dramatic swoon and gripped Hermione's arm as the other witch giggled and poked her in the side. "'Yes, yes, I promise.' She grumbled good-naturedly, knowing she'd never be able to keep something like that away from her persistent friend, even if she wanted to.